Welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hello there. So, welcome to this week's episode of Me, Myself and EI. I think it's episode number 10, all about self-efficacy. And I wanted to do just a little bit of an intro because I haven't done one in a while. I've been pretty busy and not dedicating as much time as I would like to podcast, recording, editing, producing, but that is the way it is at the moment and not not in a bad way. All, all is good, but uh, hopefully over the next number of weeks, I will continue to release on a regular basis and probably try to do more live recording and put them out either straight afterwards or next day. I've narrowed down focus on the content as opposed to the uh, post-production and putting a lot of time into show notes and stuff like that because I don't think people really read them that much and prefer listening and I think that's what it's all about listening to the interviews and the conversations so more of them will come and looking forward to doing some more live stuff and just getting it out and seeing how you guys like it or not as always please do let me know what your take is on it the book club stuff is taking off quite well more and more people are listening to that offline and more and more are actually joining the sessions the last one was the most attended so far so if something you're interested in listening to a book summary so you don't actually have to buy the book then yourself or you might do uh want to afterwards uh, to have it uh, that's the kind of unique element of this. So sign up to the book club. The next one is on Tuesday, the 21st of July, and every two weeks after that. And everybody's welcome, and you're more than welcome to come on and give a summary of a book yourself. And the cool thing about it is there's a bit of a chat and a Q&A and conversation at the end. So check out one of the ones that have been out already. Uh, hopefully I'll put out a 1% better interview I've recorded next week, uh, all about... Uh, the inner game and if you've read the books around the inner game of tennis or golf you'll know what I'm talking about but it's uh, looking inwards to kind of figure yourself out and become your best self in sport or in in life so that's going to come with a guy called Jeffrey Lipsis and then this one which is all about self-efficacy so hope you enjoy it it's an hour long or so lots in it and let me know and we'll get some more of the uh, me, myself, and EIs out in the future as well. Thanks for checking it out. Have a great day, evening, night, whenever you're listening. Stay safe and good luck. All right then, hello. Welcome to this one. This one is all focusing in on self-efficacy. So this whole series so far has been very much focused on self something or other, self-confidence, self-awareness, self-esteem, just to mention a few. And as we are getting close to the end of the whole first section of this whole series, uh, self-efficacy is one that I did want to cover. And in truth, I didn't really know a lot about self-efficacy before I started putting together some research on this and diving into it a little bit. And I've heard of it and I've always had had an idea what it was about. And like anything here, when you spend a bit of time thinking about it, it becomes a bit clearer. But I actually tweeted out today that I'm recording this and asked a question of what it is 
what does it mean to people and some of the responses have been funny from the perspective they've mainly been what is it I don't know and and I can relate to that as I said so when when I think about it and as I kind of put it into my own terms here when you're taking on a new project at work a personal project uh, maybe a new job or whatever challenge that is that you're facing into what is your perspective of that what is your mindset like do you feel that you're instantly going to say yep i'm gonna i can do this i have the belief that i can actually take it on and achieve success in it or are you saying good lord what am i getting myself into here i am probably thinking of ways of getting out of it can I ignore it? Can I run a mile and just leave this whole opportunity uh, as is and just not dive in? That that gives you the kind of two sides of of self efficacy. One high self efficacy where you're where you're believing you can do this project, believing you can actually nail this, whatever it is. And then the second side is where you'd have low self efficacy, where you're you're not really in touch with your own abilities or have the belief in them and you just question everything and uh, that can be challenging absolutely but the good news as as is the case with all of these is you can develop it there's two types I suppose of self-efficacy there's general self-efficacy where you have that general belief in whatever it is comes your way you're able to take that on or there's more specific self-efficacy if it is in an area of work or sport or whatever that kind of narrowed focused area you have high self-efficacy in versus a different area where you have low self-efficacy and that's okay too. So during the course of this episode I'm going to dive more into what is self-efficacy, why it's important uh, how it relates to emotional intelligence, give examples, and as always, try and talk a bit about how to develop it, how you can improve it, and how it can be enhanced for a more happy and more productive and a happier overall life, I guess. So that's my initial take, and let's get into more of the, the real definitions of what self-efficacy is. Okay, the concept of self-efficacy is central to the psychologist Albert Bandura's social cognitive theory, which emphasizes the role of observation, learning, (coughs) excuse me, social experience and reciprocal determinism in developing a personality. According to Bandura, a person's attitudes, abilities and cognitive skills comprise what is known as the self-system. This system plays a major role in how we perceive situations and how we behave in response to different situations. And self-efficacy is an essential part of this self-system. Self-efficacy self-efficacy also determines what goals we choose to pursue, how we go about accomplishing these goals, and how we reflect upon our own performance. And further to that... Bandura is arguably, as I mentioned, the most cited on this topic, and he defines self-efficacy as an individual's beliefs about their capacity to influence the events in their own lives. And when I talk about that, I think it's this kind of, again, going back to this 
internal locus of control where you have control of what happens in your own life and a belief that you can influence those events. This differs from self-esteem, which we touched on earlier, in an important way. The definition of self-esteem often rests on ideas about an individual's worth or worthiness, while self-efficacy is rooted in beliefs about an individual's capabilities to handle future situations. And in a sense there, a self-esteem is more present-focused, while self-efficacy is more of a forward-looking belief. So that is a very important distinction between those two, looking forward, self-efficacy, self-esteem in the now. And when it comes it when it comes right down to it, our belief in our own ability to succeed plays a key role in how we think and how we feel. It also helps us establish our place in the world and how we can determine what kind of goals we set and how we go about accomplishing them. So it's a very hot topic among psychologists and educators and it's a term that I think over the last while has become more and more popular and it's popping up more and more. So that's why it was one I think that was useful and is useful to dive into more. So how does self-efficacy fit into emotional intelligence and what is the overall kind of connection? Here's a little bit of a, a story or examples. Have you ever been to a busy shopping centre, event or festival and during the busiest time of the season and you couldn't find a parking spot? You've been driving all around, let us say you finally located a spot only to find that you can't park there because there's a car double parked in that space. What is your reaction to that? What if this situation consistently happens to you and the parking lot is in a different city or state or a different region or another country altogether? What is your reaction then? What assumptions would you start to make about the people who drive their cars? What assumption might you make about the people who live in that city, state, region, country, wherever it is? This is touching on cultural intelligence. A development of high self-efficacy is necessary in unfamiliar cultural environments. You do not have a choice, but you you develop a higher self-efficacy around that. This is the area of human potential that is spoken about in the study of emotional intelligence that Dan Goleman put together. And it was first popularized uh, in 1995, as I mentioned before. The thing about self-efficacy is that it requires adaptability and initiative, two things that are very important in emotional intelligence. Your ability to adapt is to juggle multiple demands, adapt to new challenges, adjust to new changes that are coming at you. The second part, adaptability, allows you to deal effectively with the ambiguities of your environment. In this example, the cultural environment. Your initiative is your competency to seize the challenges and turn them into opportunities. You create and an act rather than just wait. And they're kind of examples that tie into the overall mindset of high self-efficacy. Learning to develop an optimistic perspective will help you improve your self-efficacy and we'll get into more tools of how to do that later but this would improve your ability to be resilient to challenges. You begin to see the best in people and expect that changes will be positive and this example here that's mentioned is from Viktor Frankl so the book 
Man's Search for Meaning, which I would absolutely recommend either buying to, to read or to listen to. Uh, when I first encountered this, it was through Audible, and I think I listened to it about five times, and each time it just became more and more powerful. But it was um, Viktor Frankl, who was um, a Jew that was uh, survived the Holocaust in Nazi Germany. He was in concentration camps. Um, during a number for a number of years, and <clears throat> during that time, he kept notes on his experience. He uh, was a psychologist and went on to develop a logotherapy. I think he mentioned a type of um, psychological intervention work that can be done. But he noted that even though he had suffered, of which he suffered massively during these few years, he chose to see his experience in the camps as one that held meaning for him. He said that choosing your own attitude in any situation is one of the most powerful freedoms provided to man. And that's what kept him going, that kept him going and that's what kept um, him moving forward afterwards as well. And it comes down to having that choice. When you're in whatever situation, and as I record this, we're going through the coronavirus crisis it's what date are we? The twentieth of twenty first of March, and things are not getting any better at this point. And every one of us have a, have a choice. Obviously, we want to abide by the rules and do everything we can to prevent this getting further out of hand. But we also have the choice to decide our attitude towards it, and can we take opportunities from it? We're adapting to it, and then. What initiative can we provide? Going back to the example above around cultural intelligence and how self-efficacy requires adaptability and initiative. How can we adapt to this? We are, are, we are adapting our behaviours right now with social distancing and washing our hands more frequently and doing those essentials. But are, is there opportunities to come out of this? What initiatives can we take on? How can we embrace it and look for something positive to come out of it. And that's where self-efficacy comes in. And that's where having the choice to pick your attitude and apply it in whatever specific way you want is so powerful and that can never be taken away from us. Um, and that's what Frankel's message definitely comes through um, from, from the book. I'll just go on to say Frankel shows that choosing one's attitude can shift one's perspective, thus creating new possibilities. Going back to creating and acting rather than waiting. His thinking on this subject matter has been instrumental in opening up new possibilities of thinking about the capacity of human beings to survive and find meaning in life. And his book, Man's Search for Meaning, provides a platform for existential therapy and logotherapy that he created. So just for a second then, think about whatever challenges you're facing right now, whether it is still coronavirus, whenever this comes out, whether it's still getting used to social distancing or, or, or work challenges that have come up as a, as a result, choosing your own attitude, having a high self-efficacy, going back to the definition of believing that you have control over this, believing that you can take this challenge on and an outcome of positivity will come from it. Is that the approach you're taking or are you going in with a low self-efficacy that you believe the word is against you and there's no point and 
there's no meaning in this. I think that's, you know, if nothing else comes out of this episode for you, and as I kind of talk through it, and as I tend to do with these, new stuff comes up for me during it, it's very important to uh, to reflect on that and, and and apply that thinking to maybe examples that you've faced recently and how could you have changed those with a, a different attitude, choosing a different approach and hopefully then if you can do that into the future because self-efficacy is about something you believe into the future it can work in your favor um yeah definitely worth checking out frankel's book and hopefully that uh, example or two there gives you something to think about around self-efficacy and, and your approach to it okay moving on to what strong and weak self-efficacy looks like Virtually all people can identify goals that they want to accomplish, things they would like to change, and things they would like to achieve. However, most people also realize that putting these plans into action is not quite so simple. Come back to Bandura and others have found that an individual's self-efficacy plays a major role in how goals, tasks, challenges uh, are approached. And as I read through that, in coaching work, I guess because my background is in project management, which is about planning out your steps to achieving a goal and then implementing it, that somewhat comes true experience normal to me. It's kind of my norm in lots of ways how I kind of put that together. But it's important sometimes that that idea of just because you know how to do it doesn't mean somebody else does and you have to have the patience working with them in coaching to help people plan their they're achieving their to to achieve their goals and and break that down into into steps. I think that's very important about self efficacy because it's a future thing. You're looking into the future, a goal you want to achieve. Everybody can create goals. It's implementing them is the uh, the big difficulty. So it's important to take the time into putting those plans in place and breaking it down bit by bit. We'll get into the self-management, self-regulation sections uh, into the next kind of overall quadrant of EI, but that's just an important piece to be aware of. Here are some examples of people with strong self-efficacy. They view challenging problems as tasks to be mastered. They develop a deeper interest in the activities in which they participate. They form a stronger sense of commitment to their interests and activities and they recover quickly from setbacks and disappointments. How many of those connect with you? Do you think you are ticking two or three of those in general? Again, remember you can develop it. Sometimes if I view a challenging problem at the start, I not necessarily want to do it, but as I break it down, get into it a little bit more, start understanding it a bit better and then starting to get small incremental improvements solve some of the problems you start to build a momentum and a belief in the actual overall problem is manageable and then you can start the ball rolling so those while they're all very clear and precise if you don't connect with them straight away you can do that Uh, equally Sometimes some challenges are too much or you just don't want to, you do not want to to, uh, achieve it. And that's sometimes better walking away from than trying to waste your time in there. On the flip side, people with a weak sense of self-efficacy avoid challenging tasks. 
believe that difficult tasks and situations are beyond their capabilities, focus on personal failings and negative outcomes and quickly lose confidence in personal abilities. So take a step back and is there something recently that was put in front of you as a challenge and you avoided? You just said, I'm not good enough, I'm not able for that, I'll never be able to do that. And saying, in the past I've tried something like that and I've failed and didn't work out. Does that connect in? Is that talk track going on in your mind? Are you saying just because it didn't work the first time or a time before doesn't mean, it definitely means I can't do it this time? I have to challenge your thought process there. And and as an example I might have used with myself in the past or, or others is is giving up something or, or trying something for a month. I do monthly challenges and I did the 5K a day monthly challenge this year in January and two years ago in January. And I think I tried it the year before that, and I did ten days of the of the thirty or so. Um, but the next year round, I did the thirty one, and then this year I did the thirty one because just because you don't get it the first time, it's not an all out failure. Look at the the side of the the coin that was good, that was positive, that you have made improvements on. Ten runs out of thirty one is better than five. Just trying to look at it from that perspective, that lens, that view can be more in a positive way helping you develop your self-efficacy as opposed to this kind of self-fulfilling um, prophecy of not going to be able to achieve this. You tell yourself something uh, enough, you'll start to believe it. And that's people with those self low self-efficacy traits that uh, you need to just be aware of. So in this next section... Some of you have listened to the other episodes on self-esteem and confidence, but some of you may not have. So just a quick kind of comparison and differences between a couple of them um, that I thought would be useful at this point. So self-efficacy versus self-esteem. Self-esteem is conceptualized as a sort of a general or overall feeling of one's worth or value. So it's all about your self-worth and how much worth you put on your yourself from that perspective. While self-esteem is more focused, and this is the key piece, I think, that stands out for me. While self-esteem is focused more on being, as in a feeling that you have about yourself, um, that you're acceptable as you are, as an example, self-efficacy is more focused on the doing uh, and a feeling of you being up for a challenge or achieving that goal. High self-worth can definitely improve one's self sense of self-efficacy, just as high self-efficacy can contribute to one's overall value or worth. But the two are definitely different. They're not the same. And I think the being versus doing is very interesting and helps with the distinguishing between the two. So self-esteem the being, self-efficacy, the doing. Okay, what about self-efficacy and this term of self-regulation? And there'll be a lot more of self-regulation, regulation regulation in general, uh, in the coming episodes around self-management, as it is the second kind of layer of emotional intelligence. 
So, since self-efficacy is related to the concept of self-control and the ability to modulate your behavior to reach your goals, it sometimes can be confused with self-regulation. They are related, but still separate concepts. Self-regulation refers to an individual's self-generated thoughts, feelings and actions that are systematically designed to affect one's learning. That is referencing Skunk and Zimmerman in 2007, while self-efficacy is a concept more closely related to an individual's perceived abilities. In other words, self-regulation is more of a strategy for achieving one's goals, especially in relation to learning, and self-efficacy, again, is more of the belief that he or she can succeed or can achieve those goals. So self-regulation Think of planning, think of strategy, think of how you're going to get there. And the self-efficacy is more, I guess, a one's belief or knowing you're going to get there. The two can be simultaneously developed through specific modeling. I'll talk a bit more about that in future episodes, but they remain distinct constructs. Okay, where does motivation or self-motivation fit in here and how they compare Self-efficacy and motivation are deeply intertwined. They're also two separate constructs as well. Self-efficacy is based on the individual's belief, again, to meet or achieve their own goals and their abilities and capabilities to do that, while motivation is based on the individual's desire to achieve it. So that's an interesting distinction. It's around desire or a will or a want to do it, whereas self-efficacy is about the ability, capabilities to achieve whatever that is. Those with high self-efficacy often have high motivation, self-motivation, and vice versa, but it's not always the case. It is true when an individual gains or maintains self-efficacy through the experience of success, no matter how small, they generally get a boost in motivation to continue learning and making that progress. So if you're achieving that goal, that can have a big impact on your motivation, self-motivation to continue to move forward and that will start that kind of success cycle. The relationship can also work in the other direction. So if you have achieved something, you're motivated to do it, that can help with moving the needle from a self-efficacy perspective because your belief is is growing. It becomes a reality and that definitely helps. When an individual is highly motivated to learn and succeed, they're more likely to achieve their goals, giving them an experience that contributes to their overall self-efficacy. So different constructs, but probably the most intertwined and most connected of all these that have talked about self-efficacy and motivation. But the key word for the motivation one is desire uh, and a want or or, or kind of underlying will to do it. Self-efficacy and resilience. Just a brief one on this. While experiences of success certainly make up a large portion of self-efficacy development, there's also room for failure. And those with a high level of self-efficacy not only are more likely to succeed, but they're more likely to bounce back. They have the bounce back ability because that is high and Failure doesn't knock them off their their perch from that perspective. They see it as a a learning and can jump back and go again. This is the ability at the heart of resilience and it is greatly impacted by self-efficacy. So we've done stuff on resilience so far and we do have an episode with a, a lady 
Siobhan Murray, all on resilience and burnout. And uh, if that hasn't already been released, it will come soon. Finally, self-efficacy and confidence. Finally, this one. So self-efficacy and confidence. Self-efficacy is also positively related to confidence, but they're not the same thing. And that is in the words of the self-efficacy guru, Albert Bandura. And just to call it out, just as with self-esteem, self-efficacy and confidence can work in a positive cycle. The more confident a person has in their abilities, the more likely to exceed or achieve uh, their, their goals, uh, which provides them with this experience to develop self-efficacy and you're in this virtuous circle idea again. Uh, this is high self-efficacy and in turn gives them more confidence and, and around and around it goes. So again, very closely connected there. Um, but I thought, yeah, that's that's interesting and hopefully useful to give the distinctions, sort of relationships uh, between a lot of these terms that might not be very obvious when you when you hear them. Um, but now, hopefully, they are. Okay, are you still with me? Are you still learning something around self-efficacy? Good, if you are, that is. There's more to come. So, the next section... I'm gonna. It's called four main sources of self-efficacy, and a few different pieces of research or articles that I read kind of talk about these four main areas, main sources of self-efficacy beliefs. Jesus, I'm not getting any better at saying that. And according to Newman, and Newman is one of the guys that I would uh, recommend checking out in the area of emotional intelligence or emotional capital. Um, the episode I released with John Broderick where we went into the um, assessment of your levels of emotional intelligence. A lot of the work comes from Newman there. And uh, the four areas that I will go through right now for your understanding are mastery, modeling, mentoring, and mood. So the number one source of self-efficacy is mastery. That's the number one of the four. doesn't mean it's the most important. And it's getting success under your belt helps build confidence. And this comes from Emotional Capitalists, the the book from Newman. The first source of self-efficacy involves mastery experiences. Each success you experience builds a robust belief in your self-efficacy. They accumulate to convince you that you have what it takes. That's why it's so critical that you regularly remind yourself of your positive efforts and reward yourself for them. And that, I suppose, there could be interpreted in a way of uh, affirmations, doing those three or five things every morning to tell yourself why you're good at what you're good at and looking at the experience you've gained to build on that. So, and experience is a strange thing. Like sometimes confidence being tied to experience is a strange thing. But I often feel uh, anxiety or, or or pressure when something is coming up, like a meeting or a presentation or whatever that might be. And recently, I've started to more and more recently started to remember like everything you've done to now, you've got to hear. So there's no probably reason to be afraid or fearful of what this next event is. No doubt you will get through it. No matter what happens, you'll learn something um, and hopefully it goes well. And that's from experience that you've you've built on it and you become better at it. And 
I guess, mastery comes through experience, through practicing, through taking action. And you need to remind yourself that you're building on what you already know in lots of ways. So, and don't forget to give yourself a reward as well. So, so that's kind of the source of uh, self-efficacy around mastery. The second one is around modeling. So when you see other people succeed by applying skills, you learn that you too can apply and learn skills or learn and apply the skills. And there's a quote here. The second source of self-efficacy is modeling. Seeing similar people to yourself succeed by sustained effort increases your belief that you too can possess these capabilities and master them and be successful. So who do you model yourself on? Is there somebody you admire, somebody that you feel has the required skills and the abilities that you could, uh, you you would like to uh, to reach and, and equal and, and even better? It's always good to have role models. It's always very good to work with somebody that is better than you. And I hear if you surround yourself with the five people you surround yourself with or ten people you surround yourself with, you become very like them. So it's important about who you set yourself up around and making sure that you have something to learn from them and likewise they could learn something from you. But in a deliberate way, look at that. Who are you modeling? If you don't have somebody, maybe you should identify a few role models and pick apart what it is about them that make you interested or inspired or uh, motivated to um to to potentially be more like them what are those strengths that you think they have that you may not and and then maybe put a plan in place to uh, to get there so that's around modeling and as i as i talk through that i'm i was putting together some content today around worthy rivals it's in simon sinek's book around um the infinite game worth checking out but it's always good to have a, a rival that's somebody that can push you on, that can um, make you do something different to be better. And don't look at them as competitors, look at them as rivals. Okay, number three is around mentoring. So other people's confidence in you fuels your own confidence. So this third source of self-efficacy comes from the effect that other people have on you. The more you are persuaded by trusted advisors that you possess the capabilities to master the challenges of leadership, for example, the more likely you are to mobilize your efforts to develop the skills that you need to exceed or succeed even. Uh, This implies that you are receptive to others. So while you might have role models that you admire, do you have mentors? Do you have somebody that will take you under their wing, will believe in you and by them believing in you that belief rubs off on you and you become you develop your self-efficacy as a result you believe you can take those steps forward i've had some amazing mentors over the years uh, over the last decade or so that have believed in me when i was definitely not fully believing in myself and and maybe saw something in me that they had in them that they had a mentor in their own career that that helped them move along and challenged them and and again inspired them and given that confidence that belief that they could be whatever they wanted to be 
Um, and it's very important to find those people. And not every mentor will work out, but they will. <laughs> you'll have a better chance of working out if you identify, approach, talk with, and see if this person uh, is what you want them to be, and if they're there to, um, if they're willing to to give you that guidance. Um, so, mentors as a source of self-efficacy, I absolutely believe in that. Um, the belief that they can instill in you can make you absolutely better. So if you don't have a mentor, definitely think about it. And the ways I've typically gone about getting mentors or helping others get mentors is is talk to your, your manager or somebody you know that um, could open the door for you and, and make the connection. And it's always good to get a mentor, I find, not directly in your in your team or in your organization or maybe somebody outside that doesn't know that much about you and um and can give you objective feedback and advice uh as as that relationship builds and sometimes mentoring can be 5 minutes and others can be over the course of a number of months depends what you want to get out of it but always know what it is you want to get out of it as well that's very very important Okay, the final source of self-efficacy is all around mood. So your mood shapes your self-efficacy beliefs. The fourth sense of self-efficacy may be surprising to some. It comes from the feedback you receive from your emotional and physical experience. These experiences shape your mood and your mood affects your judgments about your personal efficacy. A positive mood enhances your self-efficacy. And this one, I suppose, would be the most mapping for me towards being in a in in a healthy mind and body state, exercising regularly, sleeping well, eating well, um, meditating. There's the four kind of key pillars that I would typically try and fit in on a on a regular basis, and um, and getting the right amounts of of all of those, absolutely has a huge impact on on mood and and self belief and and then therefore self efficacy uh, i can from working with people on my team or working with what others in coaching work sometimes when the mood is down if somebody's tired or going through a relationship challenge if they're coming off a weekend where they were out a lot and monday doesn't seem that positive and you're as a result not as a your belief level is is lower um, or, or potentially very low. That is so impactful on your um, your overall self efficacy. And and the flip side, if you do get a good sleep, you, as I said earlier in one of the episodes, if I go for a jog before a presentation or a big a big meeting or a big day, it boosts my mood and I feel much more in control and I have much more belief that I can get through this and um, and excel if. Uh, if that's what your, your, your what 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 is what what is the goal that day? So, so mood is very good, and I think those four really mastery, mood, mentoring, and modeling easy to remember, um, and maybe great guidelines or principles for you when you're thinking about your self efficacy. What would you? How would you rate your own self efficacy against those four right now? If you were to write them down, what's your mood like? What sort of mastery have you of the area? Are you an expert in it? A mentor, yes or no? And who are you role modeling? Who is your model uh, candidates you're going against? And do you have reasons why? What what is it about them? Um, Gives you some actions to take as a result as you go through that. So I think that that is useful. And hopefully, um, hopefully you find it to be the case.
just to add, I suppose, a bit more concrete examples to what high self-efficacy looks like or or sounds like, excuse me, what it looks like or sounds like. There's a few examples that I was able to pull out from uh, another article that I that I read. High self-efficacy can manifest as one or more of the following traits and behaviours amongst others. Just give you some examples from different types of, I suppose, people, different types of lives, the stages of lives that they're at. A student who is not particularly gifted in a certain subject, but believes in her or his own ability to learn it well. That is applicable, I would say, to a student in, in, in normal academia or a student of whatever you're focusing on. And it's taking on that belief that you're going to do well with it. I guess if I was to try and draw my own comparisons, starting off a podcast, I was certainly a student of podcasting, and I had a belief that the more I practiced, the more I got into it, that I could I could do it, and and that's what kept me going. That tied into motivation, um, definitely kept me going, and that's uh, that's an element or a trait of self-efficacy. Another one: a man who has had bad luck with relationships so far but retains a positive outlook on his ability to connect with others in the future. And uh, that is something that probably everybody's had relationship challenges. And some some just say, no, I'm finished. Don't want to keep doing that. No more for me, not doing online again or whatever that might, might be. And can conceal themselves and lock themselves away for a period of time or even indefinitely. Uh, and others say what can I've taken what can I take from that how how did that not work out um what could I have done differently or maybe if they're more external focus what did that person do that um they could have done differently but it's about the perspective you take and that can be giving you an insight into the type of self-efficacy you have high or low the, in that example obviously high was the uh was the outcome there Another one, expectant mother who is nervous about caring for a new baby or uh, or father there for, for any case, for, for, for sure, um, but believes that he that she has what it takes to succeed no matter how difficult or scary it is. Absolutely, that is something I would say every mother uh, for the first time and would, would experience as a, as a first-time dad only a year and a half ago. Absolutely as well, but I, I guess I... I when I had those doubts, I would have said there's been billions in this situation before and I can look around and see people that uh, are successful at it and that gave me confidence to say if they can do it, I can do it. Um, and that, again, would be an indicator of high self-efficacy. A new graduate who takes a high-profile, high-status job that she has never done before but feels that she can succeed in and going back to examples I said at maybe at the very start, taking on that project, taking on that new role, and and just knowing you're going to dive in and, and throw yourself into it, absolutely is a high self-efficacy example. And a quote comes to mind that I'll butcher, but I think it was, um, yeah, take the job and figure out how to do it afterwards, you know. Definitely put your best foot forward, uh, sell yourself, and you know, hopefully, that hiring for attitude and the skills will come afterwards can uh, can can happen. Um, so that's again high self-efficacy example. The last one, 
an entrepreneur who pours his or her heart in and soul into the establishment of the business but quickly moves on to the next great idea when the business is hit with an insurmountable and un- unexpected challenge. So I talk to entrepreneurs a lot in coaching work and the idea of knowing when something's not working out but not necessarily giving up and saying I'm not going to be able to pivot and take on a different approach with this or something completely different. Entrepreneurs tend to have that spirit and that belief that it's not all lost. They're learning along the way. They maybe go in with the uh, the mindset that it's on their third or fourth business that it'll come to uh, fruition and everything they learn along the way will uh, will lead towards that. Some people are cut out for that. Some people probably are not. Um, risk levels and risk uh, uh, strategies can come into play there, but your level of risk and appetite for it is, is important. But another good example to think of, what, what examples can you think of? What examples in your life come up when I talk through those that you are thinking, God, I'm... I have so I have high self-efficacy. I am somebody that has that already because I've ticked a few of those boxes or or not. Um, you know, maybe there are certain things you need to do to to improve in that respect. And the good thing is there are things you can do. And I'm going to dive into a number of those now uh, on the how-tos, how to develop the self-efficacy, which is similar to the, the models that we do, the four um Sources that we talked about before, but but also a little bit more different, more examples that you can use now that we're in the how-to stage. So hopefully this is the, the juice you're looking for, um, and this is where the action can be taken as a result. So let me get straight into that. Okay then, so building self-efficacy. And as I said many times, fortunately, self-efficacy is a psychological skill that you can foster, grow, strengthen, develop, and with practice, it can get better. So start by looking for ways that you can incorporate some of Bandura's sources of self-efficacy into your own life. So that was the four sources that uh, Bandura also had put together. I quoted from Newman. And here is some of these kind of spin-offs. Celebrate your successes. Mastery experiences play a critical role in establishing in the establishment of self-efficacy. Bandura actually identified this as the single most effective way to create a long-term sense and strong sense of self-belief. When you succeed at something, you are able to build a powerful belief in your ability. Failure, on the other hand, can undermine these feelings, particularly if you are still in the early phase of building a sense of personal self-efficacy. The idea is The ideal sorts of successes, however, are not necessarily those that come easily. If you experience a lot of success easily, you may find yourself giving up more readily when you finally do encounter failure. So work on setting goals that are achievable, but not necessarily easy and make them actually meaningful as well. They will work, they will take work and perseverance, but As you work through that, you will emerge with stronger belief in your own abilities once you achieve them, once you overcome them. And there's so many examples that I could pick out there. Um, But but in essence, it's about setting yourself big goals, this idea of a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal, and working towards it. 
don't you know setting an easy goal you're not going to learn anything from it'll be done probably too easily you'll lose motivation probably during it as well because you're not learning um so whatever the goals you're setting to get to that mastery level make them make them challenging and uh maybe share them with somebody to see if from their perspective knowing you uh, does it does it seem difficult or, or too easy perhaps Another one is around observing others, and this is again back to the modeling, I guess, and uh, the modeling piece. Bandora also identified vicarious experiences obtained through peer modeling as another important means of establishing and strengthening self-efficacy. Seeing others putting in effort and succeeding as a result can increase your belief in your own ability to succeed one factor that plays a key role in this effectiveness of this approach is how similar the model is to yourself the more alike you feel you are the more likely it is that your observations will increase your self-efficacy seek positive affirmations hearing positive feedback from others can also help improve your self-efficacy by that same token try to avoid asking for feedback from people you know are more likely to have a negative or critical view of your performance. And this is interesting. I've done hundreds of performance reviews over the last decade or so. And when I'm doing them with candidates, it's important for me to give them the full feedback. But I tend not to hone in on feedback that is kind of one-offs as opposed to feedback that comes up three or four or five times, a pattern emerges because you just don't get on with everybody and certain people will have a, a an opinion uh, that might be their opinion and might be how they do, do things but not how, um, how the best way to do it is or how it might suit that person. So I think it's very important to seek positive feedback uh, to strengthen on your positives but, but also objective feedback and where patterns emerge, it's important as well. So if you get objective feedback from five people and four of them say the same thing, positive or uh, criti- critical or, or obje- um, maybe uh, <laughs> accentuating opportunity, that is, uh, that is useful. Here's an example. For your doctor telling you you're doing a good job sticking to your diet plan can be, can be encouraging, but feedback from friends, mentors, health practitioners, and people who you respect can feel can help you feel greater confidence in your own abilities. That's more of a personal one as opposed to a work one. Positive social feedback can be helpful for strengthening your already existing sense of self-efficacy, but negative comments can have a powerful undermining effect. Bandura suggested that social feedback alone is not enough to build your self-efficacy, but it can be a useful tool when you need a little extra encouragement. And I guess that idea that you get one bad feed piece of feedback versus the 50 good ones and you'll always remember the negative or the, the one that doesn't sit so well, um, that's difficult to overcome and it, it happens. If you read, if I got bad feedback from a podcast uh, re- review or or in work, those things can stick in. But it's 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 how you approach it, it's how you look at it, it's how you bounce back from it and that's part of being able to respond and take it on the chain and move forward. Or if you don't believe it, being able to block it out and ignoring it as well. And the last one, pay attention to your thoughts and emotions. 
And everything I've talked about over the last number of episodes kind of helps back this up, how you're tapping into your thoughts, tapping into how they're becoming uh, beliefs and how they're forming emotions. Very important. If you find yourself getting stressed out or nervous before a challenging event, you might feel less sure of your ability to cope with the task at hand. Another way to boost your self-efficacy is to look for ways to manage your thoughts and emotions about what you're trying to accomplish. Do you feel anxious? Look for ways to ease your stress levels can help. Looking for ways to ease your stress levels can help you feel more confident in your capabilities. Do you find yourself dwelling on negative thoughts? Look for ways to replace negativity with positive self-talk that promotes self-belief. And again, if I'm overthinking something, go for a jog, change state, go to the gym, get up 20 minutes earlier, just get exercise in, meditate if that, that, that works for you, talk to somebody, go for a walk, just do something active to just change the state and, and move in a different direction and boost those um, endorphins that you'll, you'll feel better, definitely. And I think that's important. And like anything, you take action. Sometimes that has to be physical action. Sometimes it can be other types of action. But for me, paying attention, connecting in with those thoughts and emotions and doing something about it rather than letting them spiral is is uh, is free advice. And it's definitely one that I think has an impact. So in this part of the episode and in all the ones I've tried to do so far after sharing the how-tos, it's important then how to measure your self-efficacy to get yourself a baseline or measure your uh, whatever self area you're focusing on. Measurement is important, getting a baseline and then over time tracking against it. So there's a lot of measurements in the area of self-efficacy that I can mention and I can create and add links to in in the show notes. Um, As you would probably expect, Bandora is all over this one as well. And he had created a tool for measuring self-efficacy called the Self-Efficacy Survey. Uh, And it's meant to be a good one to start with based on his socio-cognitive theory. Uh, It came out in 2012, I believe. It is designed to evaluate 10 functional areas of life. So it's probably quite general in that respect, as in a broad, but there's different 10 areas. One is intellectual, family, educational, professional, social, religious, erotic, moral, life and health. And there's, um, I think, 150 items, 15 items per number. And it's quite detailed from that perspective. I have not taken it. I... uh, can be genuine about that, but it's something I might look into doing. Or if you do get your hands on it and you give it a go, I'd love to hear how it uh, how it played out, what, what came back from it. There's another one that I'm looking at here, and it is called a general or generalized self-efficacy scale, the GSE. And it's also quite popular, it says here. It's been used since 1995 and has been cited in several hundred articles which is always a good thing Uh, it was developed by researchers schwarzer and jerusalem two leading experts in self-efficacy and the scale consists of 10 items rated on a scale of one to four one not true at all uh, to four exactly true and uh, the 10 items 
I can read out a couple just to give you a sample. Uh, number one, I can always manage to solve difficult problems if I try hard enough. Number two, if somebody opposes me, I can find the means and ways to get what I want. Um, number nine, if I am in trouble, I can usually think of a solution. Number 10, I can usually handle whatever comes my way. So that scale, quite simple um, to give you a score and give you an overall general level of self-efficacy, which is an easy one to do, um, gives you a, a definite baseline to start with. The scale has been proven to be reliable and valid in multiple contexts and cultures, and I have a link to that one as well. It is quite straightforward. That's just two, right? So there's there's many more. Um, there's another one called the New General Self-Efficacy Scale by Chen Gully and Eden, uh, also meant to be good. There's a Strengths Self-Efficacy Scale focused just on strengths, and I'm looking at one here. There's also one that is specifically for through children, the children's self-efficacy scale, and there's one around a career decision self-efficacy scale. Ones that, being honest, I've not been aware of, but definitely the career decision one can be something I could use for sure. In coaching, it's a 50-item form, and there's a shorter version as well. And there's a lot of scales and measures in this, so I would recommend checking into it and if anyone's listening that are experts in any of those scales would like to come on and talk about it and how you put it together and uh, how it's been proven to be of great value, I'd love to hear from you because it's always good to measure these things. Uh, you always hear about inabilities to be uh, very objective in measurements. They're quite subjective. Um, at least there's scales, there's, there's questionnaires and there's uh, abilities to get score uh, like with overall IQ or an EQ uh, and that can be interesting certainly with these as you as I said numerous times driving the point home uh, this can be developed and improved over time so get a starting point take action based on some of the how-tos we talked about and come back and do the score or test again at a later point and see what has improved so that is it that is the whole episode of self-efficacy done it's definitely one of the more interesting it's all interesting but this is one that probably had to learn more about myself by doing this whereas some of the others I would have had a good knowledge of and in some ways that's a bad thing right I like this because it's a lot newer for me and to be able to define it clearer and talk through it helps massively for my own learning and hopefully helps for you as well. It's a primer, something to get started with. Check out the scales and the, the assessments. Hopefully you take something from it. Thank you for listening and stay safe and all going well. The next episode that I will be putting out is around the area of self-motivation. Thank you and good luck. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, could you please consider helping me extend the reach of the podcast that a little bit further? You can do that in a number of ways. The number one way is to subscribe on your app of choice. This helps me with the chart ranking, leading to more folks stumbling across the podcast and checking it out. 
you could also repost it on your social media channels any of them would be great and maybe even tell a friend in person or over the phone pick up the phone give them a call and tell them about the one percent better podcast tell them about this episode or one that you've heard in the past Annie will do I would really appreciate it. In the last year, we set up a 1% better Slack community, which you can join for free and interact with me and other members of the community and improve through holding each other accountable and sharing monthly challenges. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. I'm into season four of this incredible journey and the more of these interviews and solo shows that I research, record and share, the better I believe that they get and more loaded with actionable takeaways that you can learn from. I know I've learned so much from it so far and it's always really, really fulfilling and rewarding when I hear from you on what you took from it. So do reach out, rob at robofthegreen.ie. And of everybody that listens, 90% listen and enjoy, but only around 10% actually take action, write down takeaways and put them into practice. I am convinced that if we can move that number a bit higher, the listeners will not only make steps forward towards their goals, but they will be more fulfilled and happy and better. Change doesn't happen overnight. It is hard, but it's all about taking the first step, whatever that is for you. You can absolutely do this. Make a plan, be deliberate, take action. Don't overreach. Start with those small incremental improvements and over time you will see great progress. It's all in the pursuit of betterness. So again, thank you so much for listening. Good luck and stay safe.